0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, John Dalton, the manager of the MBTA's Green Line Extension project in the Somerville and Medford. Glad to have you with us, John.
1: Thanks, Bruce. Good to be here.
0: So I want to start by going back to 2016 when you were hired. At the time, the T was trying to get this project back on track. Uh, It had ballooned in cost to $3 billion from $2 billion and seemed on the verge of being shut down. State officials brought in a team of experts who helped pair the cost back to around $2 billion. They got Somerville and Cambridge to kick kick in some money, and then they brought you in to help steady the ship. In some ways, it was a major test of whether the T could get such a big project done. Go back to that time if you could. Tell us a little about your thoughts in accepting this job. Did you ever think, what am I getting myself into?
1: Well, uh first of all, thanks Bruce for having me on the program and and letting me share uh my perspective about the green line extension and um what is really just a transformative project for for this region. And I really just, uh, I love talking about it. I love my job and uh, I'm really fortunate to be a part of GLX. So anyway, answer your question. Um, Going back to 2016, so my my family and I were living in Chicago at the time, uh, doing similar kind of work, public transit infrastructure, delivery projects there for the Chicago Transit Authority. Um, And this opportunity came up. um, You know, I had heard about GLX uh, just through industry conversations. So I was aware of what had kind of transpired here and what a, what a, what a big undertaking this project was. I had heard also about some of the challenges associated with the project from like you just mentioned the the budgetary perspective. So, you know, um, not only was it a large project, kind of a high profile, um, highly scrutinized project pretty obviously, but also it was a real, it was clearly a challenge. And, um, you know, it, it was an opportunity I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pass up. Um, and I really, I have not been disappointed. I mean, for one thing, just I'm going to answer your question a little more than what you asked, but it's pretty rare uh, on a job like this, you come into something where there's almost, almost universal support for it. Um, you know, the three communities where the Green Line is passing through, uh, Cambridge, Somerville, and Medford, there are a few people I have encountered in almost five years I've been here who have said, what a waste of public money. You know, nobody wants this. You're, you're messing up our communities and no one, you know, please don't do it. Everybody wants to get it done. And that's from the public, uh, of people who live there, the elected officials, the MBTA board. So anyway, it's been a real blessing to come into that kind of environment where you have, you know, people get frustrated with the inconveniences, the roads closed, the night work. I mean, totally, I get that, but broad strokes, people like will accept a lot of those inconveniences knowing what the real benefits will be ultimately. So uh, long, long story short, uh, it was, it was kind of an easy, easy decision to make for my family and I to move here when we did and uh, we haven't regretted it. Yet.
0: So this project runs through some of the most uh, well, Somerville is one of the most densely populated uh, communities in the country, I think. And so it's, it's a tight space. And I remember in broad terms, sort of the challenges of get everything to fit and uh, commuter rail trains zipping through and all all these different elements i knew i knew you knew that going in but has there been any big surprises any surprising thing that that you came across during this project that you could point to and go oh my god i never expected that
1: yeah yeah um i mean the biggest surprise which i think kind of goes without saying is covid-19 i mean no one and that probably applies to any, everybody in every industry you work in. I mean, that everybody was affected by that. And projects like this that rely heavily on, you know, supply chain logistics coming from all around the country. We have components coming from all parts of the world. I mean, you know, anything that's pulling material from other places aside from right under, under you know, under our feet felt COVID-19. And, and we definitely did. Um, but I think your question is probably a little more uh, anecdotal in nature and specific. I think... You know, anytime I mean, everything we're building on GLX is is basically being built upon an an existing you know rail corridor. I mean, this is this has been a this has been a built um, a built environment. It's not a greenfield environment. Said another way, I mean, this, right. there's, there's layers and layers and layers of history everywhere in this region, of course. Um, but the extent to which we were going to encounter you know um, kind of unforeseen conditions, buried conditions. Whether it be contaminated material from some old rail yard that no one knew had been there 200 years ago, um, or you know the rock layout levels were somehow sometimes a little different than we anticipated, and we remember a lot of the project is putting in drainage. I mean that doesn't get a whole lot of attention because I mean who cares? But because of where the Green Line Corridor sits, kind of below street levels and came in uh somerville and medford mostly we collect a ton of runoff water from the ab- abutting communities so an awful lot of what we had to build was the drainage capacity to manage that inflow of water so you know high levels of ledge or high levels of rock um we knew some of it would be there but i think the 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 extent of it was you know if i had to do it over again we may have done done some more what we call test pits early on to really confirm uh, exactly what the rock profiles were, you know, in, in this area. We knew some, but not exactly as much as we, you know, would have would have been good to know at the time.
0: So the I, I'm thinking about this. I've looked down into some of these areas. So the water would come in, and then you've got to figure a way to channel it and get it out of the out of that area.
1: It's a mixed bag, Bruce. I mean, in some places we we retain it. Um, we can't we can't inundate. You know, the 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 surrounding water management infrastructure of the cities we're running through with our own water. So, you know, we collect water, we have, you know, some of these major drainage infrastructure uh, structures are really almost storage tanks effectively. So it allows us to, you know, collect water, kind of hold it if you like, and then kind of release it in a more controlled environment so as not to overwhelm the adjacent uh, drainage infrastructure of, of the cities.
0: So I remember um, when the whole project sort of blew up before you arrived. Um, one of the complaints about it was there was just a handful of MBT employees sort of overseeing the project. And yeah. you came in and I remember you were staffing up. What did you, what level of staffing up did you get to? And, and how did that compare, if you know specifically, to what was before?
1: Yeah. So before, I mean, obviously it preceded me. So I know what I've heard. Um, and you know, take this, so take this for its worth. I understood there was four full-time MBTA that's staff what I heard. working on GLX, um, which, you know, like, again, that's, that's what I understood. Um, at peak, um, when we had the most kind of the most robust level of staffing supporting GLX, um, we probably had closer to 40, 43 full-time MBTA staff. And that's, you know, we have supplemental staff as well that aren't MBTA employees, like consultant staff and things of that nature. I call them staff augmentees. But as far as like direct MBTA employees, we were we were around 43, I think, at, at the peak. And by the way, it was one of my kind of original initial kind of charges when I when I got here from, from MBTA leadership was, listen, John, you know, we're on the front end of a, of a massive multi-year investment, you know, put GLX aside for the MBTA capital program. We really want to grow the project delivery capacity of the MBTA. So, you know, A, get, get your own MBTA team in place to help you deliver this one, but also think of it as kind of a an opportunity to develop the T's capacity for future projects. Those people will come onto GLX, learn, or you know, contribute to GLX delivery, but then they have they're gonna have a home, you know, post-GLX on, on the broader MBTA capital program, which you know we're seeing happen now.
0: And is the approach that, that you use, you know, setting up a special team to focus on one project. So many people at the T seem to be trying to juggle many different things at the same time. Is this, is in your mind, is this the way to do it on big projects, put a team in charge of it and sort of leave them alone a little bit?
1: That's a Good question. Um, you know, selfishly, I think it's worked very well. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from how, the other MBTA capital delivery department functions. I think I think they have a ton to manage. And, you know, you look at the you look at the delivery numbers for the last few years, especially this this year and this coming year. I mean, they're just like, you know, knocking out of the park for, for for productivity. But, you know, selfishly, um, you know, coming into a program like this and kind of being in command of my own ship, if, if you like, um, you know, to me felt very efficient and From an execution standpoint it allowed you know decisions to be made uh processes to be implemented um kind of just executional on the ground you know decisions to happen quickly to really help this project move along at a a clip that that was really required i mean you know to be fair i still check in with people at mbta i mean that's just obviously my boss is is a general manager i'm building this this asset for people who will inherit the GLX and actually operate it and maintain it. So I obviously need to recognize that it's not just me building this thing and I'm not in a silo. Um, but as far as sort of execution and really kind of on the ground, you know, making things happen, I, I think it's an effective way to get a project this done. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned earlier about COVID and how that affected it's affected everything, but it affected this project. And so I'm just trying to help our listeners walk through this back in June. There was an announcement that uh, it, there was going to be a slight delay in finishing uh, the project. I think the Union Square branch was going to move from October to December, and the Medford branch was going to move to May 2022. Um, and there was, a, there was a settlement reached at that time on, um, I think, related to COVID issues about how that had bogged down your contractors and everything and what have you. And at that time, you, you, I think you said we're in a very strong financial position, but you were sort of wrapping up. It sounded to me like you were wrapping up loose ends with that settlement with the contract. I think it was up to $80 million and to sort of put all that behind you. Mm-hmm. So what happened now, last week, the general manager announced that there is another delay. Um, and he he sort of said it was a problem of this electric substation on the Union Square branch, it was a little hard to understand. It was, he made it sound like it was too congested inside to get enough people in there to work on it. And that was leading to delays. Was that COVID or was that separate or what was the transition there?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so the, the 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 schedule announcement we reported on last week was, was largely not a COVID, Related impact. It was um, so. Let me let me back up. So that announcement. There was a lot of talk about this traction power substation. Just just for the listeners' benefit, uh, the MBTA uh, takes power from the existing utilities. In this court, in this case, it's Eversource, uh, and then converts that power into a form that's usable by the by the trains. So those traction power substations are those kind of transformer boxes, for lack of a better term um so um what has happened since the schedule you know announcement we made in June until now is it really really boils down to just general simple not simple but summarized as site productivity um whether it's working in that traction power substation which has kind of kind of got some airtime last week or just sort of general site productivity of you know, Pulling and installing key critical electrical subsystems that are required to allow the very critical testing and commissioning to continue beyond where it is right now. So, um, you know, I I think I think the the substation got you know some some conversation because there's definitely it's a finite space. There's there's a lot of equipment in that building, and um, you know, there's only a certain point. There's you can only get so many people in there doing so much work to where you become either A, inefficient or B, dangerous. So, you know, um, it's kind of it's kind of not a COVID thing so much as much as it is just sort of site productivity uh, rates.
0: And now how does that work? Because um, I think the general manager said there are two of these traction substations on the Medford branch of the line. So he was hoping what you've learned with this one will translate to, to work on that one. So he's hopeful that that will not be delayed beyond May of next year. What's your sense? Is that fair? Are you, are you trying to keep, stay with the same schedule on that, on that line? In that brand? Oh, Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, that's what we do every day is try to keep the schedule uh, where, where it's been um, um, advertised. Um, you know, I, I think I, we definitely are learning a lot on branch one and we kind of, part of the reason we staggered these things, branch one and branch two was for this very reason to kind of, not only train you know the contractor and their installation and testing commissioning crews but also train mbta i mean this is the first extension the mbta has put into service in in many years and it's not you know there are procedures and processes one follows but until you're actually doing it you're you know there's definitely benefits to be be enjoyed by having branch one get that done then move on to branch two so uh yeah definitely the good news is a lot of the things we're kind of picking up on this branch one work uh, is rolling them over and applying to branch two. Um, And yes, there are two traction power substations on branch two. They're a little one is very similar to the one for branch one. The other ones is, is, is the same equipment, just a very different configuration. In fact, it's a two story building instead of a one story building, but you know, effectively it's the same, you know, same, same, same function.
0: Okay. So is your confidence level pretty high that you the end is in sight and you know when it's coming pretty, pretty well, or are you still worried about unforeseen things popping up here? At the oh end? yeah.
1: I mean, I'm always, I, mean, <laughs> I will worry about unforeseen things popping up until, you know, we, we put that, that first training into revenue service on Medford branch. I mean, you know, one of the things I've tried to stress for, you know, a year and a half now is, you know, on a job like this, First, you gotta live, you kind of live through the different site conditions of the underground, you know, the stuff I talked about a minute ago, the contaminated soils or the abandoned utilities or higher rock or all that kind of stuff. You know, what we're in, you know, kind of what we're the, the next sort of real worry bucket, if you like, is the testing commissioning. I mean, you know, there are all these different systems that come together that, you know, have all been tested in the factory in their own discrete factory production, make sure all the, all the components function and do what they're supposed to. Um, each component is then brought to the MBT, brought brought here to the project and tested once it's installed again kind of discreetly like each component is tested discreetly in its own on its own rack or in its own room or whatever and the next phase is you test the components and see how they work with one another you the, the interconnectivity of the different components in other words does the power system talk to the, the communication system does the um do the cameras talk to the power system all these different things, they work with one another. And then the last thing is you introduced the trains. The trains are kind of the, the missing link, if you like, to make sure everything A, keeps talking to one another and B, interfaces with the vehicles the way they're supposed to. So the point, the point I'm making is, you know, there's lots of things that in theory should work without a hitch. But, you know, the reason we have a pretty, you know, a, a an established testing period for both all the individual components on their own the components to with one another and then the components with one another and the light rail vehicles combined is because you're going to have hiccups and that's why you do it and you got to make sure that all those hiccups have been identified you know kind of a uh, root cause analysis performed and fixed before you put the public on it so you know yes i am confident on the schedule we've put out um but you know Do I worry? Yeah, I do worry.
0: So a lot of people have heard about this project and maybe even seen, driving by, seen little snippets of it and just sort of have a general sense of it. I imagine people that live closer to there have a better sense of it, but you think it's gonna come out because there was a lot of talk when it ballooned in cost to 3 billion and then it was cut back to 2 billion. Oh my God, we're cutting this, we're cutting that. What do you think people are, their reaction is going to be when this opens? And and is it going to be everything they were hoping for?
1: Well, I think it probably depends who you ask. I mean, if people if if what's important to someone is that they have a a safe and reliable public transit system to get from, you know, Medford, Massachusetts, into Boston, a one-seat ride, I think they'll be very satisfied. That's what it's going to have. That's what that's what they'll have. And um you know um but if they if they've people fell in love with the designs that were part of what i call episode one that were you know um more than what was required more than what was you know necessary certainly in terms of what was committed to by the mbta to our funding agencies um you know they may feel like hey this isn't this isn't this isn't quite what we wanted you know and that's. I can appreciate that. I mean, I looked at those designs that were in Episode One, and yeah, they were great. I mean, they were they were they were amazing facilities. But you know, the objective of this project always was, and certainly definitely became, you know, when I, when I was asked to join the the GLX, was focus on what the requirement is, and anything beyond that is not what we're delivering. And um, I think because of that, we are we are in the healthy financial position we're in. Uh, And we can absorb things like COVID without, you know, blowing the budget wide open. Um, So, you know, to answer your question, Bruce, I think if if people kind of are are coming to the stations and and looking for a public public transit ride to downtown, I think they'll be very happy.
0: And this um, pathway uh, that was going to allow people to, pedestrians and bicyclists to go, I remember there was a lot of controversy about that, whether it was going to finish, it was going to be enough. And I think you gave some assurances that yes, it's gonna it's gonna run as everybody hoped, pretty much, right? Um, tell me briefly, where does that is that coming along? Okay, too?
1: Yeah, it's definitely coming along. I mean, you know, so rewind the clock a little bit. The controversy on the on the on the community path, as we call it, the multi use community path. When I first got here, was you know the base scope of the community path was a nice feature, but it didn't quite complete the, the last mile, if you like, of getting people from the existing Massachusetts bike network, kind of north and, and, and west of Boston, all the way into downtown. There's like a missing link. Uh, there was this flyover that, you know, um, was, was just not part of the base scope. Uh, and you, you might not remember this, and your listeners might not remember this, but we, we incorporated these additive options into the GLX bidding you know proposal procurement process that said to the bidding competing bidding teams hey if you if you all can include these there were six items actually include these six items into your proposal without going over our established affordability limit which we told everybody at the time was 1.3 million dollar billion dollars excuse me um you will get more points on your proposal and more likely to win the project blah blah. So one of those additive options was that missing link of the community path. And, you know, it was a question as to whether or not the bidding communities would commit to putting that in their proposal and under that affordability limit. Um, But the winning team, um, GLX constructors, who we've been now working with for almost four years, included that in their proposal. And I'm looking out the window right now. I see that that missing link is, you know, 90% Ninety percent complete right now. So, anyway, depending on when in time you're talking about controversy about the the multi-use community path, um, I would say people should be very happy with that part being included in the in the in the project. I guess more recently, if there's a question about the community path, is when will it open? Um, and it's a good question. I it's a fair question to say. Um, I think people obviously are keen to have that open sooner rather than later, just because of its functionality and kind of creating that link for bicyclists and joggers or runners or strollers or what have you uh the challenge we have is that that community path runs right along a a very large chunk of the medford branch of the green line line branch two and because of that for, for for you know since we started this project that sort of alignment has served as a very critical supply chain corridor for delivering materials into into the the the, the metro branch alignment and it will continue to serve that function uh up to revenue service and even beyond revenue service for a certain period of time so just to manage expectations the the multi-use community path opening will 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 come sometime some period after we commence revenue service on branch 2 i don't think it'll be that that long but people should just not assume it will happen uh concurrently with commencing uh revenue service and certainly not before revenue service on branch 2
0: so last question for you, every time I've seen you come into the MBTA board to report on these things, not every time, but quite often they say, you can't go anywhere, you've got to stay here, we want you to stay forever. So I think you had a five-year contract when you came. Um, I don't know if the project is going to be a little bit beyond five years now, or do you need a contract extension? Do you want to stay at the T and move on to some new project, or have you thought about that at all?
1: Uh <laughs> I I think about it. Um, My wife thinks about it. Um, The short answer is without getting into too much detail and talking about family dynamics, I have have two boys. My younger son is a freshman in high school. Um, You know, we really love this area for a lot of reasons um, and want to stay, you know, here. Uh, The MBTA obviously has a ton going on and um, supporting public transportation is kind of, what I've done for 20 years and what to continue to do. So, um, you know, option a or desire number one for, for, for me and my family is to stay here.
0: And are you, um, do you have to get a contract extension to finish the project?
1: Um, yeah, technically it was a, it was a five-year arrangement. Um, and, um, you know, to, to stay, you know, technically formally employed, I would need, I I would need to be extending that. Yeah. Okay.
0: John Dalton, the man in charge of the GLX Project, thank you very much for joining us this week.
1: Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me.
0: And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thanks so much.